This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by FingerTech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out FingerTech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. FingerTech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. eating our weight in California burritos. This is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our annual new bot preview. Oh, wait, hold on one sec. Here she comes. That button was given us, uh, given to us, courtesy of Curtis Warner. Thank you, Curtis. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Castbox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have five news items for you today. First up, the Discovery Channel this week officially confirmed that BattleBots Season 6 will premiere on Thursday, January 6th at 8 p.m. local time in North America, with 14 episodes airing in the season, which means we could crown a giant nut winner by early April. BattleBots had previously announced that the show had already been renewed for Season 7, which is widely expected to film in Las Vegas next year. Meanwhile, the Discovery Channel this week also published its first 60-second trailer featuring Farouk in a helmet, synthwave vibes, and brief action shots from what appear to be 14 separate fights. Typically, the fights you see in the show's trailer happen pretty early in the season, so the spoilers aren't major. But if the trailer is any indication of the season to come, expect some massive hits and a lot of fire. That was Farouk? I thought it was Dead Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) It was a kind of odd trailer, I would say. Like, I, I mean, I feel like they uh, kind of cribbed a little bit from the Norwalk Havoc vibe, um, if they've seen it at yeah. all. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I eighties mean, eighties synthwave is uh, not just universally liked by all robot enthusiasts. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe who knows? But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious if like the synthwave vibe like kind of translates into uh, the actual show. Or if it's uh, just uh, some poor commercial maker somewhere, you know. I got I got more like uh, like like Daft Punk vibes. You know what I mean? Like maybe this was a tribute to the now broken up Daft Punk. Oh God! Is <laughs> that Watson? Watson's very upset that Daft Punk broke up? <laughs> Who isn't? I mean, I'm with Watson on that one. 
In related news, teams got the green light this week to begin posting non-spoilery photos from inside and around the battle box. The mysterious rookie egg beater glitch unveiled a photo that's getting a lot of buzz, showing what appears to be Hydra flying several feet in the air while glitch remains planted to the floor. Speaking of iconic flippers, the team behind Bronco this week listed their bot's 2019 frame on eBay in an auction that ends tomorrow. As of Monday night, bidding stood at a little over $500. Fair warning, the frame weighs 210 pounds. $600 for the bot, $42,000 for shipping. (laughs) Yes, true, true. And finally, the teams behind Scorpios and Gruff are getting into the holiday spirit by selling limited edition Christmas ornaments. Gruff is offering a metal version of its poker chip, while Scorpios is offering a miniature Scorpios faceplate, popularized in its weekly video series, Ask Scorpios. If you're interested, direct message both teams on Facebook for details. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, this year's new bot preview. Welcome back from the break, friends. It is, again, our favorite time of the year. No, I'm not talking about the holidays. I'm talking about our annual new bot preview. This season, we have 11 brand new robots fighting for their first time at BattleBots. Alphabetically, those bots are Blade, Blip, Defender, Dragon Slayer, Glitch, Jaeger, Pardon My French, Retrograde, Riptide, Switchback, and Triple Crown. Now, we're going to talk about each one of these robots. We're going to go alphabetically. Um, and I want to also say like, just right off the bat, one of the interesting things about the 2021 season is that three of these bots are from existing teams. So this is kind of like a team Wayachi esque, um, strategy that I think we are going to be seeing more of where, um, otherwise rookie bots that, may have struggled in the past or had concerns about whether they were going to get in now kind of come under the umbrella of a larger team and they bundle their application together with, you know, in hopes of having a greater chance of getting on the show. Um, So yeah, new trend to watch for sure. Um, Okay. All right. Let's uh, jump straight into the action uh, by starting off with our preview of blade. Blade is built by Chuck Yu Huang, a mechanical engineer from South Korea who fell in love with combat robotics from afar by watching Robot Wars. Chuck Yu is one of a small group of combat robot builders from South Korea and organizes insect bait competitions in his country. In 2018 and 2019, he competed in China with earlier versions of Orbi Blade, a gorgeous, futuristic, tombstone-esque horizontal spinner. Among the builders, Chuck Yu is known for an impeccable design sensibility, making his own custom parts out of his machine shop. Um, Before we get into our thoughts, I want to read a couple of comments from fans um, to kind of set the stage. So let's see. uh, Starting here with Bite Force Captain Paul Ventimiglia, who writes, Orbi is so cool. I love the build details. Ryan Hunter writes, Orby Blade is going to go deep in the competition and might even show up Tombstone as a more compact and newer design. The shots I've seen of the inside of that bot make me think it's a well-tuned, well-designed piece of weaponry. Chris Ryan writes, for the top three rookies, I like Orby. It looks stunning, all caps. I reason it'll be an absolute beast out there, especially after King of Bots. That spinner packs a massive punch. 
And finally, Richard Sum writes, personally, I'm rooting for Orbi Blade because of what it showed in China and how amazingly well built it is. Okay, time uh, now, I guess for our thoughts. Uh, we had Chuck Yu Huang on the show last year. I know we're big fans of Orbi Blade. What are our thoughts about this new robot? I like it. It's the uh, it's the mullet of combat robotics. The mullet. So what? Party in the back, business in the front. It's Tombstone in the front, Rotator in the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Nice. Or even Hypershock. Yeah. Yeah, it does have a little bit of those vibes. Listen, the machining on this thing is gorgeous. It's another one of those, like, uh, why are you bringing a Ferrari to the demolition derby situations? Because um, it's just so pretty. And one of the things that I am a little bit put off by is the fact that this is a horizontal spinner that needs a SREMEC, that needs a self-writing mechanism. Um, that That is, in my mind, just uh, a design flaw from the get. You know what I mean? Like your horizontal spinner should uh, ideally self-write just by the shape of itself, like uh, like you see with some shell spinners, or just by the fact that it's invertible, like Tombstone. Um, I I hope it works out for him. I you know know that that's been lacking in the design, and now he has a working one. And you know, uh, let's just hope it works the whole competition when he needs it to. That's a really interesting call out. So why do you think he built it that way? Is it because it's aesthetically more beautiful, <laughs> you know, than kind of the junkyard dog that is tombstone, you know, like, um, kind of skeletal menacing, uh, you know, tube frame, I guess, uh, of tombstone. Um, or do you think that there's like a kind of design thought behind there that makes, um, makes a stream kind of, um, important, um, for, for the design? Yeah, I know that the wheels are smaller than Tombstone's. I know that um, that he puts a lot more emphasis on armor than Tombstone by a lot. So, um, you know, protecting the bot is a lot more important to him. And that's probably what ultimately led to this need for a Sremek. Uh But honestly, I I just don't, I don't think it's a good idea, especially in the BattleBots arena where damage is just so, like big hits are just so necessary. You know, there's no pits. There's no, uh, there, there's not a lot of technical outs here. It's it's all about the damage, and there's some heavy hitting bots. He's gonna get flipped over, you know. And the um, the bots that don't have to rely on a streamek tend to do better in those situations. Right. Yeah. Good thinking, Chris Lindsay. I know that uh, that we both fell in love with uh, with this builder uh, when we interviewed him. Your thoughts on uh, on this build? I've got a I've got a very important question. Um, if I recall, he named one of his blades a death carrot. Is that is that correct? That is correct. And he painted it like a carrot. So then I'm looking at their team photo on the website right now, and they are all dressed. Well, there are t- um, a couple of girls on the team, women on the team, who are wearing um, bananas on their dress. And uh, I think that it should be carrots. Got it. So you think that uh, we should abandon bananas for scale and we should go with combat robot carrots for scale. 
Yeah. Yeah. He does make his own bananas, his own Orby bananas for scale that he gives away as like uh, as swag and stuff. So that's part of why the bananas. All right. All right. I'll accept it. I mean, visually, you know, their team costume or, you know, uh, attire is very striking. I think it's really cool. I just wanted to, uh, you know, bring some attention back to what I think is the coolest name for anything combat robot related, which is the death carrot. Let's not forget about the death carrot. I I think this whole thing is bananas. (laughs) <laughs> all right on over to my personal favorite rookie bot of the year fight me blip blip is a fr- flywheel flipper that uses a winding cord inside of the robot to engage its flipping arm the big benefit to a flywheel flipper is that it can theoretically flip an unlimited amount of times until that cord snaps or the bot runs out of battery Flywheel-powered weapons are still fairly experimental in combat robotics, and Team Captain Aaron Hill has been working on the concept behind Blip for several years. Aaron is a BattleBots veteran, having previously captained Tantrum. In many ways, Blip takes design cues from Tantrum, which is compact, tanky, and meticulously built. I got a chance to see how Blip works under the hood and can say that it is truly unlike any other combat robot I've ever seen. Um, Here's what some of the fans are saying. Skylar Gallant sums it up pretty well. I feel like uh, Skylar and I are, uh, you know, very much of one mind about this. Uh, Skylar writes, I went to eight years of schooling for quantum computing. When I graduated, I used my backup PhD in neurology to get a job as a brain surgeon. Two years in, I finally invented the first nuclear fission power generator. And in my free time, I now assist Elon Musk in building rocket engines. I have just one question for the group today. How does Blip work? Michael Clement writes, uh, this is definitely not a hot take, but I think Blip will go furthest. Corey Schweinhart writes, I feel like Blip could have a good run after Tantrum impressed us last year. Chris Ryan writes, Blip, that flipper is such an amazing feat of engineering. The flipper in the trailer showing it absolutely launching Rusty. I reckon it'll absolutely give Hydra a run for its money. A couple more here. Hold on, hold on. We don't, we don't know if that wasn't Rusty doing an aerial <laughs> attack. True. <laughs> True. Uh, World of Woodrow, uh, you know, this week in in Combat Robot uh, host Jevin Woodrow writes, Blip is one of the most complex pieces of engineering in BattleBots history, not only making potential energy work in a new way, but also doing it on such a small scale. I am impressed. Other builders are impressed. And I'm proud to adopt it as the first Brit flipper in BattleBots. And finally, friend of the pod and fellow podcaster Curtis Honeycutt writes, We are entering into the dawn of the blip era, an era of unprecedented carnage and flippage never seen on this side of the Atlantic. All the other season six bots are going to get blip lash when blip smashes and thrashes its way onto the quarterfinals and into our hearts. If you're not hip to blip, you need to get a grip. In summary, I predict blip will have an excellent rookie season. What are your thoughts on blip? I just want to go back to Skylar Gallant, who has what sounds like an incredibly interesting life story, and maybe we should interview him on the podcast. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Um, I feel like Skylar, though, brings up a a good point that uh, Blip is very complicated. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll I'll tell you a quick anecdote. Um, I feel like I've maybe told this on the show already, but just in case you missed it. Um, So I got a one day pit pass um, to the BattleBots filming this year. I was really fortunate to, uh, to get that. And um, I'm walking around and I'm looking mostly at, at the new rookie bots and I, I make my way around to blip and I see this guy. 
he's sitting in a chair and he's got this like it looks like like a spinning like loom <laughs> um like like some ancient piece of like medieval technology and he is winding this elastic cord like over and over and over again um and every time that he winds it he like smears this like red uh like oil basically on, on this cord. And so like, he's building this long, like mega, like rubber band stacked rubber band, basically. And, um, explaining how blip works. And, um, I just was like, I was like, I know you're using English and I know that you're doing a really good job of explaining this, and I am just too dumb to understand <laughs> like how, how the cord winds and then it locks this thing in place. And then when you release this lock, basically all of the stored energy goes into this, this arm and how they can do it over and over and over again. It's amazing. It's incredible. When you look inside the robot, it looks like the robot is like bleeding. It looks alive. It's incredible. Um, I, I am so stoked about blip. I love it. Not to mention, it's just so cute. Like, it's just so cute. <laughs> Not yeah. to take away from, like, the engineering marvel that it face. is. But for a layman like me, it's so cute. Yeah, I think they're going to sell a lot of Blip merchandise this year. Um, and I, I feel like super fans like, are really into Blip, but I think Blip is not i mean people are probably sleeping on blip um if they're just normal fans and the first time you see this bot the second time you see this bot people are going to feel about blip the way that they felt i think about rusty last season and um you know aaron and and the team behind blip has have also put out some really i would say engaging content around the creation of the bot itself um mm. there is like a um just set to music, so he didn't really, you know... The teaser? Yeah, the little teaser of, like, all the engineering that went behind it for people who don't really know what goes into some of these bots. I mean, it was really, really illuminating and very well done and engaging. Um, so, you know, check out uh, their content because I think it gives you a whole new appreciation for the bot. And I was already, like, pretty pumped about seeing it, but after seeing the teaser... Um, I'm like all in on blip now. I'm just so excited to see it. Very cool. Um, any last thoughts about blip? Yes. Well, yes. I have a thought. Okay. Um, so the spring leaf flipper was the original idea for tantrum and it didn't work. And I think that Aaron has been like trying to figure out a unique flipper design ever since. And blip is, ultimately where that kind of line of thinking landed while I think it will put on some good performances and do some good showings. I am skeptical about it going super deep simply because it's brand new. It's super complex. And you know, it took tantrum what like three seasons before it really got dialed in and started making much sense. I'm sure that the, that lead time will be, a lot shorter for blip, but expecting it to go super deep in the competition year one is a little bit uh, optimistic. I do love the bot though, and I want to see it succeed. 
It's interesting that you say that because I do think a lot of times the more complex a bot is, uh, the trickier it just becomes more challenging for it to, uh, I think, go far in the competition because there's more things that can go wrong. There are more things that may need to be repaired or specialized, you know. Um, and so it'll, it will be interesting to see how something with, you know, a lot of, you know, potentially moving parts and a lot of special technology and, and whatnot will hold up, um, in a competition that, you know, so favors just mass destruction. Yeah. Prime example, uh, the walking chomp, just a miracle of modern engineering, absolutely amazing machine in every single way. Uh, defeated by ro- remote control tractor known as Balespear. I will. Um, I'll. will say this one like thing about that. I don't think that Aaron Hill is like was desperate to get Blip in this year. I think he could have probably put in a prototype Blip last year or two years ago and iterated for the last two seasons. But instead he's been perfecting this in CAD perfecting this in like plastic ant weight versions. And by the time that he was felt confident enough in the design to apply, um, I, I think it's going to be considerably more sophisticated than the average rookie in this field. Um, and it's not the same as, as like, somebody who is taking on a super complicated build and they catted it three months ago and they've never built a combat robot before and they're struggling and, you know, trying to, trying to like basically, you know, deliver on all of the promises that they made to Greg and Trey. Um, I think that this, this is coming out like fully hatched. Um, that's, that's my, that's my guess. Um, I think a lot of teams that do have bots with, you know, fast, um, you know, strong kinetic weapons, you know, it's hard for them probably to get a lot of drive and test time before the show, just because there are very few opportunities to really like safely get that driving experience while the weapon is spun up, which really affects so much of, of how the drive functions. Um, but for, you know, something with just a, a flipper like that, I mean, you can really get a lot of drive time and a lot of test time and experience with the bot because it's not, it doesn't have the same dangers as like testing a, a hyper shock at home or, or whatever the case may be. Very true. Um, okay, on over to Defender, made by the Vasquez family super team, makers of Whiplash. Defender is an interesting take on a lifter bot where an arm under the bot pushes down, lifting the entire bot in the air rather than how you typically think of a lifter like overhaul or slamo, which clamps down on its opponents and then lifts vertically. Team captain Jason Vasquez has had success with this design at the insect weight class, and by all accounts, he's just as talented a driver as his older brother Matt, so we should see well-driven fights with a lifting mechanism that is sure to entertain. Fun fact, the Vasquez family made a crucial addition to the Defender roster this year, adding veteran Bite Force team member Rob Masick to their pit crew. So uh, not only do they have the many decades of combined experience together as a family, but they also have the help of Rob, who um, is a pivotal member of Paul Ventimiglia's pit crew. Um, Okay. By the way, good on Rob for always getting on like the best teams. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's talented, so, uh, so it makes sense. 
Um, all right, so here's what the fans are saying. Ryan Hunter says, Defender is criminally under-talked about anywhere. The Vasquez family knows how to design bots, and the design of that thing looks awesome. If the judges do a better job giving points for control bots, it can probably go really deep in the field. Interesting point. Richard Sum writes, people are going to sleep on Defender, but this is another robot from Fast Electric Robots, and I'm sure Jason is also an excellent driver. Pair that with a well-designed control bot, and you're in for a good fight and likely a win. Kyle, I know you're a huge fan of Defender. Uh, Tell us more about uh, what is interesting to you about this design. So the... Uh, the grabbing mechanism, right? The forks on it are also part of its defense, right? Like uh, we're playing fork wars this year. That is that is uh, part of what everybody's looking at. This thing comes built in and designed with big long forks that scoop underneath the robot, um, the opponent, and the lifting mechanism on them is fully protected underneath the bot, right? Which is so much better in a lot of ways than bots like uh, Season 1 Bite Force or... Um, overhaul where where everything's right there out in the open you know it's really just infrastructure that you can see on top of the bot that can be hit with weapons he's able to scoop under you pick you up put you where he wants you um and in the case this year you know there's there's screws to put you on top of there's the uh shelf that you can put somebody on top of there's a lot of kind of opportunity to use this design effectively and yeah, I don't know if you've ever been able to watch any of Jason's fights on YouTube, but he is a phenomenal driver, um, much like his brother. And I think it's going to be great watching him, you know, drive this control bot super effectively. Plus the way those forks are separated, it's going to be really hard for a vertical spinner, uh, at least not one with a big wide drum to get a lot of engagement. So I'm really excited about these fights. I'm always a fan of the control bots to begin with. Um, and I'm really a fan of well-driven control bots, so I'm looking forward to this one. The thing that I really like about the Vasquez family is that they are not afraid of a complicated design. Like Whiplash is a complicated robot to drive, and um, it's not a conventional vertical spinner, and it's not a conventional lifter. Um, It is both. And Defender, not a conventional lifter. It is this interesting kind of lift the whole bot up kind of design. Um, so I, th- I think it's cool that like, this is a team that is very comfortable with pushing the design envelope. I think that it also will continue to reignite excitement and interest about control bots. Um, because the more kind of experimental or different, you know, control bot types that we see i think the more people out there will see that oh it doesn't have to just be one type of thing there are other ways to do this this is something that i'm excited by even if it doesn't have a vertical spinning disc or whatever um and you know i i am such a huge fan like you kyle of of control bots so I think that having Defender in this season is only going to do good things for the sport. And I think, you know, hopefully ultimately diversify what types of bots people are interested in building. And that's good for everybody, in, in, my, in my opinion. Um, I would say that Defender is one of the bots I'm most excited to see, not just out of the rookies, but about every bot in this field, because I am just so... So uh, looking forward to seeing what it can do. Um, and I think it, you know, it won't be like any of the other bots that we have in the rotation. And that's something that I just love to see. So uh, 
to anyone out there watching who wants to build a battle bot, like show us more of these unconventional designs because that's what makes a sport interesting and fun, at least to me. Lindsay, to your earlier point about Blip, um, you know, when you think about kids getting into combat robotics, I think of lifters, I think of flippers, and I think of wedges. Um, Because, you know, if you have a seven, eight, nine-year-old kid who really wants to build a robot, it is not safe for them to go out and buy a spinner of any kind, you know? Um, so yeah, seeing, seeing big examples of lifters and then going home and building a lifter with your parents, I think is really cool. Um, because it's something that you can relatively safely operate on a kitchen table uh rather than having to build a massive lexan box out in the garage yeah definitely all right on over to dragon slayer a true rookie build from jordan neal out of denton texas when i say rookie build i mean we had jordan uh on the show a couple weeks ago and this was Jordan's first combat robot ever um, and just jumped straight into the deep end with a uh, 250-pound heavyweight. Uh, Dragon Slayer is a medieval knight-themed two-wheeled horizontal spinner with a flat ground-scraping wedge. Jordan had previously applied to BattleBots with a similar vertical spinner called Piranha. He ended up building Piranha speculatively, but it ultimately wasn't selected to compete. Jordan and his co-workers at Halsey Manufacturing went back to the drawing board and built one of the least expensive heavyweights in the field this year using a lot of materials from their shop and a lot of innovative thinking. I love the team story and their can-do attitude. Your thoughts on Dragon Slayer? Uh, I love the theming of this bot. I think that it's a tried and true design on this bot. I think that this team is going to uh, probably win a fight or two. Um, and I'm really excited to see it in action. These are the kind of people you want competing. You know what I mean? Like folks that, uh, that heard about it from a client, right. And, uh, they own a machine shop and they've they've got some stuff they can use. Um, you know, I love it when new blood gets thrown into the game and I think that these guys are going to do very well and I hope they stick with it because I'm really excited for them. There are many, many paths to combat robotics and it's cool that we, we don't see just one path on the show um, because the, the fact is that there is not a combat robotics degree that you can get from college, you know, um, and the more perspectives that you have and the more experiences that you have backgrounds that you have of the builders, they're going to come up with something really cool. I think with dragon slayer, they went with a pretty safe design, you know, like this is essentially a scaled up beetle weight. Like I feel like I've seen, you know, probably five or 10 of these, um, before two wheel design, big, like, um, spinner. But I think the simplicity of this could, could make dragon slayer go deeper than the average rookie just because, um, it works and, um, we've seen it work at, at other weight classes. Um, I think that this, uh, this bot dragon slayer, uh, um, its secret weapon is, uh, <laughs> oh no it's uh it's secret weapon is coming out of nowhere um because if it was a knight it would be a surprise oh my god what <laughs> christopher that's not okay i'm sorry normally normally my jokes are really good but i guess i'm taking the knight off oh 
Uh, all right. Sorry, I don't want my jokes to keep dragging on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, wow, wow. I'm breathing fire tonight. Ah! All right. Uh, on up to one of the season's most anticipated rookies, Glitch. This synthwave-inspired egg beater is shaped like a stealth bomber and is designed to float around the box using mechanum wheels. Glitch is captained by UC Berkeley mechanical engineering student Kyle Miller, who had previously competed closer to his hometown of Roseville, California, in smaller weight classes. The producers seem to think that this is a bot to watch, apparently matching up with Hydra at some point in the competition based on our first trailer of the season. Here's what some of the fans are saying about Glitch. Corey Schweinhardt writes, I think Glitch is the sleeper pick this year. From what we've seen in previews, it hits hard! Exclamation point. Brad Ames writes, Glitch looks like a good design. New spin on the egg beater design. If they can get some good underbody hits on opponents, they might go far. And Richard Sum writes, I'd guess Glitch must have had an impressive fight as they were seen taking on Hydra in the trailer this morning. Or maybe they had a decent regular season and were pitted against Hydra in round one of the championships. Interesting, Richard. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Glitch. Do we have any big Glitch stands, I guess, uh, here in in this friend group? I think it's a beautiful looking bot. Um, It's like they, uh, you know, Valkyrie's like, oh, I'm going to design a bot that looks like a a stealth bomber. And Glitch is like, hold my, hold my beer. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. It is gorgeous. Um, when I, so when, when I, when I arrived at the pits and I was talking to, you know, all of our friends, um, every single person who came up and I'm saying independently of one another, they're like, have you seen glitch yet? Like it's one of like the top questions that they asked. It is beautiful. You have to go over there. These kids are amazing. Um, and so I, I eventually made my way over to Glitch and they had these like gorgeous billet bodies. I think they had two or three of them. And the these kids were like having the time of their lives. Like they were really, really having an amazing time. I know that when we interviewed Kyle Miller, you know, he he described, you know, being delirious from like lack of sleep and, you know, people falling asleep inside of the pit area because they're working literally 18 hour days, you know, bringing the robot back to their hotel room because they closed the pits at 10 PM and they wanted to continue working on it. Um, It's a, it's a really very cool college team story. And um, I have a feeling that glitch is uh, has like the elements that it needs to, uh, to go far. Um, I really love that interview we did with Kyle. I thought uh, it was really revealing to hear like the experience of a new team, a team that, that, you know, seemingly kind of knew what they were doing, at least for rookies. Um, And I love kind of like how they came to this design. It was like, it was a little bit more influenced by motor layout than anything else. Um, but yeah, really, really interesting design. I can't wait to see how this thing floats across the box. And I loved the kind of anecdote he left us with that um, they messed up and the tip speed of their weapon ended up being a lot slower than they intended. And that ended up working out way better for them. And thinking about kind of the physics of those types of wheels, you know, it's really hard to get pushing power and driving forward engagement 
maybe that slower tip speed gave them an opportunity to get a little bit of engagement from uh, their opponent's momentum and allows them to get big hits. I'm not sure. That's what I'm speculating on. Uh, but I can't wait to see this thing in the box. I think it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to see this team next year, assuming that they get in, just because if, they, if they've if they got this much going for them their first year in, I, I cannot wait to see what they do their their second year back with this this design. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like when you look at them and you look at their bot, they have their just like visual design aspect already down. They have such a cool brand. They have such a cool um, like graphic wrap uh, on, on the bot itself. Like you can tell that they really put a lot of thought into really every aspect of it. And to me, that signals that like they're here to play and they're here to be here a long time. And and really become like contenders in this sport because it seems like they have kind of every element down, which is hard for a rookie. You know, a lot of times like you are scrambling to the finish. You're just trying to get your butt out the door. And then a lot of times like the aesthetics of it might come afterward and that's fine. Totally understandable. But the fact that they, you know, clearly put like forethought into this probably from the beginning, um, that's I don't know I think that says a lot about them and their planning and and you know just their preparation for the bot itself. Yeah, good marketing, good merch and uh yeah, good branding. I w- I would absolutely agree with you. Um yeah, they And those shirts are cool. Shirts are cool. Yeah, I you know, it's it's merch that I would want to buy and it um it feels cool and I I think that yeah, it was uh, one of my favorite things from the that Kyle Miller interview was like he was like, "Oh, you know, I th- I heard that BattleBots wanted something complicated, so I des- so we designed something that was basically the most complicated thing we could think of, you know. And like, you know, uh, now that we know things about BattleBots, we realize that we probably went overboard on the how complicated things are. But I think like it's cool because I mean we're we're stretching we're stretching the envelope. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm stoked about Glitch. All right, uh, on over to the German Multibot Jaeger. Right off the bat, it seems like Jaeger faces a steeper mountain to climb than most other bots. First, it is a multi-bot, which has historically been one of the least statistically successful designs at BattleBots, given the physics of a 250-pound opponent facing off against three 80-pound robots. Second, the majority of the team was prevented from leaving the UK in the 11th hour because BattleBots wasn't able to secure the travel paperwork necessary for them to make it out of the country. Instead, Team Captain Ralph Schneider showed up at BattleBots alone and apparently opted to only run two of the three robots, the team Sawbot and its Undercutter. Understaffed and underweight, this team is facing some challenges right out of the box. Here's what the fans are saying. Corey Schweinhardt sums it up pretty well. For 0-2, I think Jaeger, unfortunately, after watching Gemini for so long, it's hard to have faith in a cluster bot. Your thoughts on Jaeger, your thoughts on cluster bots, your thoughts on multi-bots. Um, what are your thoughts basically for this team? Everything I ever thought I knew about multi-bots got thrown out the window when uh caulk entered the ring um so no comment yeah i was gonna say the the overhead attack like aspect of this multi-bot gives me pause makes me think maybe there is a chance uh the team had a lot going against them this year i mean you already kind of uh like you know went through all of that but um i think the design the actual design of this multi-bot has some merit 
and I'm very interested to see how it performs. I was talking to Dominic and Cascus uh, a month ago, and we were talking about multibots because he runs um, a multibot at Norwalk Havoc, and he was saying he, he had a he had a good um, he had a good observation, and it kind of put multibots into focus for me. He said the big challenge with multibots is that they need to attack the opponent at the same time, and if you have a multibot that has a wet like the best multibots are wedges because you can have two two robots come at the same like come at opposite sides of their opponent and get underneath them shove them into a corner maybe try and break the weapon that way and one of the challenges is when you have two multibots with weapons is that they come close to one another because they're trying to work together but they end up hitting one another and they're like breaking themselves um and so to be successful with the multibot, you basically have to have wedges. Like there really is not another configuration that makes sense for for that that design ethos. You you can't have the offensive strategy of uh, the bad guys in a uh, an eighties ninja movie. With um, <laughs> you mean like everybody surrounds them and then one person goes in at a time. Like the yeah yeah the bad guys they all engage Chuck Norris one at a time you you want to know why you want to know why you lost yeah it's because one of you is waiting to get kicked in the face while the other one's getting kicked in the face yeah <laughs> it's like the uh, the putties in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers you know they were always running around in circles around the Rangers and then one of them would run into attack and uh, it just never worked out never worked out for them yeah don't be like the putties from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers <laughs> yeah I I feel like I mean and. You know, Greg and Trey are very anti wedgebot, and so I think that we the re, one of the kind of reasons why BattleBots has this pretty pretty strong stigma against multibots or cluster bots is because they aren't allowed to bring like a truly effective design. You know, now you have this undercutter; it's eighty pounds. It might be hitting the wheels of its sawbot, you know, brethren. Um, so it's tough. It's tough. Um, so yes, that is Jaeger. Um, oh, I, I had one other question. Do you think that there is any merit at all to the cluster bot like um, concepts at, at BattleBots? Why do they continue to allow the kind of Gemini's and four horsemen of the world into the um, into the competition? I mean, it's still something different than a four wheel drive vertical spinner. Unless one of those uh, multibots happens to be a four-wheel drive vertical spinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it leaves the door open for creative design. And, you know, some some builders out there are going to capitalize on that and show us something really cool and interesting. And that is why you leave that door open. You don't just, you know, shut out that kind of opportunity. Think about, think about all the avenues that haven't even been explored yet with multibots. I mean... Uh, it's, 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 it's never ending. If you have like the right type of mindset when you, when you're, when you're accepting that as an additional design challenge on top of, you know, just building, you know, a a combat robot. So I, I would say, um, you know, that's something that should never be taken away. And I, I, I encourage teams to try to do something and make it effective at this, at this weight class. We've seen that it can be effective at smaller weight classes, um, but it's just about finding that right combination of bot style and like having a team of people that know how to work together 
and achieve an objective while driving. I mean, that's it's it's a lot of things to ask for, but I bet you if you had the right team, you had the right driving skill set, you 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 would be a force to be reckoned with in in the 250 pound weight class. And I mean, think about it, one day I'm willing to bet there is going to be a competitive, you know, multi-bot or cluster bot, maybe it's Jaeger, who knows? But how exciting is it going to be when someday, you know, someone finally like cracks the code for what makes a, a multi-bot successful and is able to ex- execute on, you know, on that plan? Like it's going to be really exciting. It could change the sport. You could have more multi-bots. And, you know, I, I think there there is a path. Um, It just we haven't necessarily seen it yet. Maybe we will this season. Um, But it'd be it would be cool. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Something else to keep in mind that we that we're also getting this season is the idea of an active weapon wedge bot uh, in Zoot. Right. We already talked to uh, pardon my French team. And Zoot is it's got an active weapon. It's very wedgy and it would be very effective, I think, in a multi-bot situation. That is a perfect segue, Kyle, uh, because we are now headed over to Canada and, pardon my French, team captain Philippe Voyer had previously competed at three beat-away competitions in Canada before applying to BattleBots with a Deep Six-inspired oversized drum spinner. The bot was originally selected to compete in the 2020 season of BattleBots, but had to pull out at the last minute due to covid in the off-season, Fleep sold parts of the robot to fund a second revision of the design, which is considerably more tough than version 1. Fans have high hopes for part of my French's minibot Zoot, a powerful little lifter built by fellow Canadian builder Sean Lamoth. Like Jaeger, Philippe and Sean were plagued by travel restrictions from the UK. The team had been relying on the help of British builder Gus Collier, who planned to fly to the US with spare parts and team uniforms. Instead, he had to ship those parts and uniforms to Las Vegas when it became clear that the UK would not allow him to leave the country. Your thoughts on Pardon My French? We just talked to them. You know, I'm sure that uh, that interview is very fresh. Um, do we have thoughts on uh, this this big old chonky drum? I think it's like the opposite of glitch in a lot of ways. They decided to go uncomplicated. Uh, it is literally a blue and white four wheel drive vertical spinner, um, and they still got approved. I think largely because of kind of the pedigree of the team, but also because of Zoot. Um, and the diversity factor, right? You get to have a, a French speaker on the show. They, uh, you know, the show's been lacking in international talent over the past couple of years for obvious reasons. So it's it's going to be nice to have some kind of international representation. Um, but I, I'm really excited to see the bot. I think the bot's super interesting. I don't know how well it's going to do. Once again, no self writing mechanism. Uh, but I think I'm about 30% excited about PMF and about 70% excited about Zoot. Interesting. Zoot. Wow. Okay. Chris, Lindsay, your, your thoughts on part of my French? Qu'est-ce que c'est? Où est la bibliothèque? Okay. All right. Um, it reminds me of kind of like, uh, the next iteration almost of Yeti where it looks like it's just going to bash you in the face and it's probably going to take a lot of hits along the way, but it's just going to keep coming at you head first. It's it's kind of like Axe Backwards and Yeti had a baby. Hmm. With, oh, yeah. But Blacksmith was watching. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. And I'll see myself out. I, I'm like a little concerned about the height of the robot. Is, am I the only one? Like, it seems like a very tall robot. Interesting. I didn't think about that. It's kind of like a pyramid shape. I wonder, I wonder if with, with, uh, the, you know, um, with the weight probably being at the lowest part of that stack, if it, if it somehow helps itself right, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a crazy thing to look at. I really like it. I hope that it can turn and that it can move <laughs> fast. Yeah, that's a big one. Kyle, do you, uh, do, do, do you want, do you have any thoughts, you know, uh, on part of my French before we uh, get to the next spot? No, I mean, I, I didn't think about the tall thing. Uh, one of the things that they said was that it's actually relatively small, all things considered, but that drum is, is pretty chunky. Um, so yeah, I think it is kind of high. They, they don't want to face horizontals, uh, or they they said they wanted to face the biggest spinners possible, right? Like, that is their, their go-to. It's going to be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think the design is, it's not really a glass cannon, but it's definitely uh, all offense and not a lot of recovery or defense. So we'll see how it goes. Hmm. Well said. All right. Uh, Honor of Duty, brand new Lifterbot retrograde competing this season under the banner of Justin Marple's combat robotics team, bots and stuff, makers of Bloodsport. Team captain Aaron Lucas lives in LA and had previously helped out on the pit crew for Bloodsport. This season, he's breaking out on his own with a two-wheeled, pretty conventional-looking lifter design. On the team this year is friend of the pod, Seth Schaefer, who is a strong asset on any combat robotics pit crew. Your thoughts on this lifter bot retrograde? I think it looks pretty sleek. I think it, it's a it's a cool bot. I love, um, you know, uh, the two wheel drive, you know, on, on, on a bot. I love I love seeing a bot that can turn on a dime, especially a bot that's kind of built for control uh, like this one. I'm, I'm interested to see it fight. I think it looks basic. Am I the only one? Basic? Basic. Yeah, it looks basic. My notes for this one was fusion with less style and hopefully less fire. Oh, really? Fusion? Yeah, they got the the whole like uh, double-sided bot thing going on, two different forms of attack thing going on. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't have the cool paint job and uh, it's... it's it's hopefully not going to catch on fire as much. Wait, I totally missed this. There's a second, like, weapon? I only see the lifter. Am I missing something? Lifter under undercutter, yeah. We're looking at retrograde. Correct. It's got a lifter and an undercutter. The undercutter's on the back? Yes, sir. What? Oh, my God. How's that for basic, Luke? No. Okay. It's not basic. It's overly complicated, you guys. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. It, there's an undercutter. Okay. All right. Throw out everything that I've said tonight. Uh, I did not know that there's an undercutter on this robot. I actually didn't get to see every single robot. So retrograde was not a robot that I was able to see like really closely. Or maybe I just saw it from the front while I was walking past it. Um, and I was like, oh, that's a lifter. Huh. You've been on Seth Schaefer's like robot team before. And you, you didn't stop by to like check out his bot? I saw everybody. I saw Seth, of course, but um, yeah, I think I was like mostly looking at Bloodsport because um, that thing is freaking gorgeous, you know. I, I may have prejudged retrograde, so yeah, I'm gonna cap this right here. <laughs> 
Undercutter. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts on on retrograde? I think the the lifter weapon on it looks pretty cool. It's not really the same lifter mechanism that we've seen in other bots. So I don't know. I'm really digging it. Even if it was just a lifter, maybe I'm basic. I mean, the, the, but... the, yeah, the, the lifter is a little gruff-esque. I like that. I love watching yeah. gruff, um, but we're, we're, we're replacing a, uh, uh, a very, very hot heat with uh, an undercutter. That's pretty cool. Hmm. All right. Um, okay, on over to Riptide, which answers the question, if you could scale up a beetle weight to 250 pounds, would it win? Team captain Ethan Kurtz is a mechanical engineering student from Southern California who teamed up with a number of fellow students he met through VEX Robotics competitions. He runs Team Break 32, which apparently has 32 core values, which they hope to use to break into the round of 32 at BattleBots. Riptide is a four-wheel drive egg beater running redundant weapon belts, bunny ears for invertibility, and what appear to be two long forks that can lift opponents. Personally, I'm in awe of the absolute size of the egg beater. Looking forward to seeing this one in the box. Here's uh, what a couple of fans are saying. Chris Ryan writes, Riptide, this thing has everything it needs to be a championship-winning design. It took the Beetle meta of bots that always do well at Norwalk Havoc, like Lynx, Rival, Eruption, Apex Predator, and Quarantine, and scaled it up to a heavyweight. It looks awesome, and I reckon it's a very capable design and build. Honestly, if handled right and shown that it's a capable bot, it'll definitely be one to fear. Definitely seeing champion winning material out of this beater. And Michael Clements writes, as for underrated bots, I'm going for Riptide. The strengths and versatility of Yeti and a smaller, more maneuverable package. It goes to show the strength of the rookie class this season that they aren't being talked about that much. What are your thoughts on Riptide? I think it's... I think it's the biggest it's the biggest egg beater I've ever seen. Hmm. Yeah, like the actual weapon itself. Yeah. Has anyone ever seen uh, a heavyweight that that has an egg beater this size? No, like most of them are kind of drum-shaped egg beaters, right? Like they're like, "Oh, it's an egg beater drum." Right. And they're they're kind of circular with some cutouts and they call it an egg beater. This is the traditional what you would see at a beetleweight competition. Uh, egg beater scaled up um my initial thought on that would be shouldn't that be easy to break considering you see those kinds of egg beaters broken uh at that beetle weight scale all the time but obviously i don't know how that really scales up to heavyweight uh ar 500 or whatever material their s7 tool steel whatever they're end up using for this particular weapon um it looks like an athletic bot. It looks like a, a fast bot. It looks like it's probably going to perform really well. Um, it's a tried and true design at those smaller weight classes. It's going to be interesting to see how it scales up. I'll bet they'll win some fights. I'll bet they'll uh, they'll turn some heads. It's a the color pattern is really pretty. It's a pretty design. Um, yeah, it, it looks uh, it looks good. It's a sharp bot, sharp team. I want to see Calvin Eba fight it with Mad Catter. Interesting. Agreed. Yeah, they've had some really good, like Kurt and Calvin have had some good knockdown dragout fights um, in, in competitions on the West Coast and uh, in Norwalk Havoc. And I would love to see that at a heavyweight squ- scale. I think that would be a heck of a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I would love to see that. I'm like a little surprised that the design got in. I think the there's, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that um, <laughs> Greg and Trey get a bunch of kind of scaled up versions of beetle weights that people make. 
But I think that maybe one of the things that really sets it apart are these, these lifter arms. Um, I find those really interesting and kind of like seeing, seeing the lifter be an independent weapon system that you can still use to shove your opponent around, even if your egg beater dies, um, I think is really smart. And just as importantly, it's also a self-writer. True, true. All right, interesting. I want to know what these 32 core values are, because 32 is a lot. All right, you ready? I've memorized them all. Oh, go. Core value number one, don't talk about Riptide. (laughs) Core value number two, don't talk about Riptide. Got it. Wait, there's 30 more, Chris. Core value number three. The core value number one. Good. Good. Yeah, I, I, I'm very interested in the, the 32 core values. I feel like um, I, I have maybe one or two. Uh, I can't even, you know, I couldn't even think of a third one. Uh, but uh, maybe that's why. My core value number one is whenever you're at a buffet uh, and you fill up your entire plate with fried food, it's always good to sprinkle a little bit of greenery on top, like a green bean or something. So you don't look like uh, you're trying to kill yourself with crab rangoon. Got it. Got it. Core value number two, don't fill up on the soda. I taught you that one. Core yeah. value three, rice is for losers. <laughs> All right. All right. Good. Um, okay. Uh, very interesting. I would love to uh, to have Riptide, Rip, Riptide on the show. I, I reached out to Ethan earlier this month, but he said that he has finals, uh, college finals for the next week. So we, we may, uh, in fact, talk to him at some point after those. And uh, I hope that the finals are going well. Um, okay, on over to Texas. Let's talk about Switchback again. Uh <laughs> This is an articulated drum spinner captained by Rev Robotics CEO Greg Needell. Rev makes robot kits for students competing on first robotics teams, so he knows a lot about how robots work and is very likely uh, the person with the best supply chain connections among the competitors this season at BattleBots. The design itself is a stacked metal drum with individual teeth that can be stacked on top of one another to make different weights depending on the bot's defensive configuration. A common misconception among fans, including myself initially, is that Switchback's arm is similar to a hammer arm, kind of like Sable, Scorpios, or Blacksmith, in that it spins up this massive kind of drum and then goes hammering away at its opponents. That is not true. Apparently, it is an arm that gets locked in place before the match starts with the team deciding how high to set their drum at depending on their opponent, which is considerably more smarter <laughs> you know than uh than what i was thinking um so i really wish that i had knew uh, you know that i knew that uh ahead of time before i very foolishly uh, promised to eat five BattleBot stickers if switchback wins a match because i think that uh, this one will absolutely win a match or maybe two uh so yeah uh <laughs> i just want to uh just want to note here that uh, this week in robot combat host jevin woodrow uh, he uh, wanted to remind me about this very foolish kind of uh, promise that I made. And he somehow up to the ante. Now it's become poker chips. I feel like some people now believe that I'm going to be eating a poker chip. So, uh, so he writes, uh, just think of the tasty, tasty switchback poker chip. Delicious exclamation point. Uh, your thoughts on switchback. I think it's really cool that switchback is about to unveil their, um, their new, uh, vehicle decal wrap. 
Uh, oh. Which, yeah, so um, they, they uh, well, I guess technically that's a sticker. <laughs> See. Yeah, I got to eat five of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's going to go from sticker to poker chip to just straight up poison. Right. Like, I think, you know, they're, they are, uh, they're out mm. to get you, Luke. Mm. You did something yeah. very foolish. Yeah. Uh, periodically, Greg Needell will uh, will text me and he'll just be like, hey, how do you think stickers taste? Uh, did, you, did you guys see the latest message he sent us? No. It's, it's, it's in our inbox. All right. We have a shared inbox, you guys. I, I was partially responsible, I'd have to say, um, because he shared on Instagram a post that was like, hey, we're dropping some, uh, you know, big news tonight. Like, make sure you follow us on Instagram so that you can you know, see it as, as we post it. Oh. So I shared their post and I said um, uh, on our Instagram and I said, if you don't follow them, we'll make you eat a sticker. <laughs> So I'm partially guilty, Luke, in uh, continuing to stoke these flame, these uh, embers. All right. Here's the question. You know, obviously, uh, you know, my, my friends, do you think that do you think it's healthy for me to to do this? Or should I write like a, a nice apology letter, send it in a great envelope or something, you know, to uh, to Texas? And uh, I think you should write a will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. What, what do you think about the the actual design? You know, this this stacked drum. You know, kind of get to choose the height of the drum. Kind of interesting. You know, get to throw like the the throw of the drum. Um, do do we have thoughts on the the design itself? I think it's weird and it's top heavy and it reminds me of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Good. Good. Got a cosplay as uh, as this bot next year. I'm totally down for that. That's going to be fun. I'll have a pocket full of stickers waiting for you, Luke. Oh gosh, I think that this bot got some interesting design. I was super skeptical, like Luke. I did not make promises to uh, eat any non-edible objects over it, but I, I was, uh, I'd say, pretty equally as skeptical until we sat down and had a conversation with with uh, the team captain, and then I was like, oh, this. This does have some clever thinking, and he had an answer for every single one of my skeptical questions that made perfect sense. I think this bot's going to do well. I think, you know, top 32, top 16 is not out of the question for this design. It's cool. It's smart. Uh, the team's got a lot of really uh, good thinking behind it and good support. Like you said, their, their supply chain's really great. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them go far. Interesting. I will say, and I don't know if this is an indicator of uh, quality or not, but uh, their pit area was amazing. Like they had probably like the tallest banners in the entire pit crew, like pit pit area. And it was clear that uh, this was certainly not their first robot competition. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm eating my words and probably going to be eating stickers. And now they're scratch and sniff. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a lot true. of forever chemicals in those, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am enjoying this more than I, I should. You're you're my brother-in-law and I should care. Yeah. Um, but there is just something so funny about you with a mouthful of stickers. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
That's true. That's true. Uh, okay, and uh, last but not least, uh, let's cap this year's new bot preview with Triple Crown, an ambitious new build from veteran BattleBots builder Todd Mendenhall. Mysteriously, very little is known about this robot. Triple Crown was accepted to the show and showed up with the robot, although it's unclear how many fights it saw. Friend of the pod, Mary Catherine Carr, attended every single filming session and says Triple Crown made it to the battle box and had multiple entertaining fights. So there's that. However, the bot is not listed on BattleBots.com and nobody knows why. I guess not nobody. I'm sure Greg knows why. Todd Mendenhall knows why. I don't know why. Um, Here's what we do know. Todd Mendenhall competed on the original run of BattleBots as well as Robot Wars and Robotica with a line of robots that were very successful. In 2009, Todd Mendenhall won second place and $150,000 at NASA's Regolith Excavation Challenge. Fun fact, the first place winner that year was a young Paul Ventimiglia who won $500,000 and would eventually go on to build Byte Force. Your thoughts on Triple Crown. Okay, so the weapon layout of this bot is super interesting. I have a lot of questions about its efficacy. Um, it seems like the weapons are somewhat of an afterthought. Just just looking at them, they're you know small, and um, you wonder how much damage they can actually put out. The drive system on this bot is the most fascinating thing I think I have ever seen. Um, it is so weird and it is a directional drive. So basically you don't turn this bot. You literally just turn the wheels where you want it to go and you drive in that direction. Uh, presumably you could do a lot strategically with this. It's a lot more powerful than an Omni drive. And, um, I'm very interested to see how that plays out for this bot. I can't wait to see it into the box. I did hear they had some issues uh, getting everything together and getting everything ready for the main competition, but um, I'm glad to hear that they made it into the box and we'll get to see some fights out of them. That's going to be great. Kyle, how would you describe Triple Crown? Because I feel like it's unlike any other robot I've ever seen before. Yeah, so essentially it's like three pods put together, right? Um, And each pod has... Uh, where they connect in the middle of the two pods is where the weapons go. So you have like an option for three separate weapon placements. Um, and apparently there's like variable weapons you can put into those positions. And then you have the three wheels and those wheels are inside of hubs and they can turn a full 360 degrees within those hubs. So, uh, you know, they don't face in any one direction at a time. You could turn like you could be facing a bot and then literally just turn all of the wheels immediately to the left and just drive straight left away from that bot at any given second. Um, it gives you a lot of opportunity to kind of flank and uh, out control, assuming you're driving this well, out control bots with a traditional just, you know, forward drive with turning front wheels. Um, it's going to be super fascinating to see how this thing works. It's a, it's, I mean, any bot that you see coming out like this, this is like the version one, right? Even if they've done many other versions, you've never done a, a version that you've put into combat before. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how that works. Todd comes from a time period where this kind of experimentation was, uh, I'd say, a lot more common and a lot more, um, a lot more integral, and he was very successful at it back then. So I'm really excited to see 
how he's able to translate that into the modern era. Very cool. Yeah. And I'd love to have him on the show too. Um, he sounds like a really, really interesting person. And um, Oh my gosh, I want to interview that guy so bad. He's so yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, any, any last thoughts about Triple Crown or last thoughts about our entire field of 11 rookies this year? Can't wait for January 6th. Well said. All right. Um, and that is it for this year's Newbot Preview. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. That's that's my job, Luke. You can say it if you want. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. That's how you do it. That's how you do it right there. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Vermont, where roboticists at the University of Vermont have built something that is absolutely no cause for concern. Microscopic robots that can reproduce on their own. The researchers took DNA from an African clawed frog and used it to build living robots called Xenobots. Sounds like the next uh, competition. Clash bots, king of bots, xenobots. Uh, last year, the researchers were able to figure out how to give the xenobots the ability to reproduce by gathering up hundreds of tiny cells and forming them into xenobot offspring. Uh, so this story was actually sent to us uh, by Curtis Honeycutt and maybe even some other people who saw this and thought this should be something we cover on this show. Um, and I almost prefer living in ignorance, not knowing that this was a thing, that this was a capability out in the world, because uh, I think, you know, this combined with some of the other bots that we've been covering lately, uh, the end is near. The really weird part is that this was actually at the University of Vermont uh, Dairy and, and Wool School. So, you know, what are they doing experimenting with, like, you know, nanobots? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know, we could have consumed millions of these xenobots in the last year and uh, we would have no idea. As uh, I am once again here to tell you about consuming the billions and billions of xenobots. <laughs> that was pretty good. What is the purpose of microscopic living robots that can reproduce? Somebody please tell me uh, why, why this is something that we are studying. If you were to be able to, let's say, have a microscopic, uh, you know, artificial life that could, I don't know, target maybe cancer cells or something recurring like, uh, like leukemia, you could technically create a organism that can live within another organism that can replicate itself to continue the fight long after uh, its its predecessors have uh, burnt out. It sounds a little bit like a uh, like a zombie kind of uh, infection, you know. Like I got uh, got bit by a xenobot, and now it's taken over my corpse and uh, keeping me uh, keeping me animated. I don't know. Doesn't feel great. Resistance is futile, Luke. <laughs> this seems like what all the tin foil hat people are scared of when talking about the vaccine. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Like, we don't need to give them more ammunition. As long as the Xenobots get me a better cell phone coverage, you know, uh, shoot me up, all right? 
It's obvious that we need to march on the University of Vermont uh, Dairy and and Wool Academy, and <laughs> we got to we got to shut the system down. We have to shut the system down. We have to shut the system down. Does that mean you got to cut it off at the mainframe? Isn't isn't that how that works? Got to hack into the mainframe. You have to hack into the mainframe in order we to shut the to. system down. Yeah, and you got to cut the main line. Just turn off the power. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I'll bet there's like a million good reasons for uh, these bots to exist, right? Fighting cancer is a great one. Um, perhaps like repairing damaged ligaments and joints is another one, right? There's like a lot of, of really good reasons for these bots to exist. Uh, but like, should they? I don't know. That's a lot of potential for nasty. I don't know. If one of them can fix my knee, I don't care if they uh, wipe out mankind. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was dark. Never mind. Forget, forget I said that. And that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. Unless we have Xenobots in us. And then in that case, it's all over. Uh, learn to farm. See ya. Bye. Xenobots. Bye. Bye. <laughs>